Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Yet to day, yet to day. Yeah. What is it? Are you speaking in tongues on the podcast? <laughs> no. No, you get to D, you know, like, yoo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> is this the Texas Twinkie coma that is still persisting in your life? Man, it could, it could last longer and I would love it. I'm I still sure. have several Twinkies in the refrigerator. So yesterday, nope, uh, Monday, Monday uh, this week. Yeah. <laughs> Monday was National Texas Twinkie Day. Thank you, Amir and Steve Yang. Both of these men loved me enough to let me know. And so I made it a point to, to go to Hutchins and I may have walked out of the building with, oh, just under 20. Cause they were like two bucks a pop, right? They were two bucks a pop. It was glorious <laughs> Dude, leave it to Texas to be like, we're going to have national Texas, Twi- national Texas Twinkie day. Well, Hutchins declared it, whether or not the Texas legislature picks it up and makes it a thing. If they, if they tried one, they would be like, yeah, let's, you know, do, let's this. do this. Let's do this. Let's, let's this make is this a good idea. It was great. It was a great awesome. day. Well, I'm glad that you got that. Dude, I literally ate nothing except Twinkies all day. <laughs> I ate Twinkies at lunch, Twinkies for a snack, Twinkies for dinner. I, I mean, I probably put down seven or eight total. Dude, that's that's amazing. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. By the way, <laughs> you know, on, on radio, like listening to the radio growing up, they would have they would yell mark when somebody said something so that their their editors would cut it so that they use it as a drop later on. Oh, I didn't know that. No. Well, they would. They'd, like somebody says something that clearly you go, I could take that out of context. They'd go mark and their editor would, would mark it on the, the recording and then they'd cut that piece and that, that's how they get their drops. Oh. Like, so if somebody says something, they've got a drop ready on, on hand or whatever. I did not know that. That's what I was thinking about when you were like, I had Twinkies for breakfast, Twinkies for lunch, <laughs> Twinkies for dinner. Because if I could cut that out and just throw that in every once in a while, be like, well, here's okay. Pastor Rod's diet for us. Yeah, that's it. that's how I lost all that weight. Yeah. I kept it off. <laughs> yeah, because you didn't say Texas. You just said Twinkies. That's just, I had Twinkies. I mean, we knew it. the context made it clear. Context, but that's the beauty of the mark. You get to remove the context. Maybe okay. that's what I'll do. I'll, okay. I'll go back. Tick for tack, buddy. Let's you see. do that to me here, we're I will under, be sure. We're uh, short two minutes. Okay, all that's right. great. All right. Yeah. Hey, fair's fair. That's all I'm saying. Fair's fair. It would be funny, though. We used to masters we used to have what they called the year-end show and uh part of it was they would take splices from all the different chapel messages throughout the year and they would grab things that guys said That's out funny. of context That's and just so splice funny. it all together it was awesome i love that it was su- every super church funny. should do that with yeah, their pastor they should it, you, yeah because you can't take yourself that seriously no yeah I, man who could do that for us we need that guy or if you yeah. are that person yeah and you're listening to this let us know yeah we'd be happy to have you do that yeah we do take ourselves seriously, but man, we had so much fun making videos, goofy videos at our last church. And there were yes. even the outtakes, like those outtakes are all in Luke Melrose's possession somewhere. I don't know. He probably deleted them, bro. Probably at this point. Yeah. He doesn't have them anymore, but it was always fun. It was it fun. Was. I, miss, yeah. I miss those days. Yeah. Hey, happy birthday. Kayla Sclamenti. Sclamenti. Happy birthday. Yeah. You're officially an adult, legally an adult. You made it. Yeah. You hit 18. And now it's all downhill from here. Yep. You're just going to start graying tomorrow, yep. I guess. Yep. Yeah. There's not really much exciting that happens between now and, you know, the rest of your life uh, as far as your ages go. 21. Well, 25. Yeah. But, okay. Renting but, a car. But let's, okay. Why is 21 exciting from a worldly perspective? Because now I can go drink and gamble. 
legally right i mean okay yeah so there's that and then 25 okay so now i can legally rent a car like what in a that's a milestone you tell you want to bring up a a a day to remember 25 it's like oh yeah i'm an official adult i could have a glass of wine at a wedding and i can rent a vehicle that's amazing yeah right your insurance also takes a dip at that point too yes exactly and and you are proving my point that your childhood kayla is now over because now what you have to look forward to is your insurance going down and the fact that you can rent a car congratulations happy birthday that's not all i mean there's a few other things on the calendar that could be really cool so happy birthday kayla let us not discourage you we're glad that you're 18 have a texas twinkie today you should well it's not texas twinkie day anymore doesn't matter it's still worth the 550 (laughs) pastor i got twinkies i do for days he's gonna sell them on the black market because they ran out pastor (laughs) rod bought them all and they ran out. So yeah, Amir let me know that they sold out. It's yeah. pretty pretty early in the day. I'm not surprised. I mean, there was a lot of people at the at the door at, at, at opening. So. so he's peddling them on the side. He's like, Texas Twinkie. Thirteen dollars. Yeah. 13 Wait a minute. Weren't they two bucks? Yeah. <laughs> but you can't get them. Supply and demand. That's right. Hey, Isaiah 65 and 66. We finish Isaiah today. Let's do it. We finish it. Yep. And then we just get to jump into Jeremiah tomorrow. But chronologically, it's helpful because Jeremiah does come after Isaiah. It does. So there's there's something helpful there. And if you ever wonder, okay, which one's first? Isaiah, Jeremiah. Isaiah is I and Jeremiah is J. And in the alphabet, I comes before J. Isaiah Mm. comes before Jeremiah. Helpful. Hey, uh, Jeremiah, or Jeremiah 65. That's not in your Bibles. Isaiah 65. If you have Jeremiah 65 in your Bible, rip it turn up. it in. We'll, we'll give you a new one. one. Isaiah 65. Uh, yeah, here you've got just, uh, again, I was, I was blown away by the, the evidence of God's grace and mercy in this chapter. Um, even as it opens, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me, ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that was not called by my name. I mean, here you've got the, the Lord of the universe that is making himself available to a people that are ignoring him over and over and over again. And that's what we find in verse three. They, they, the people, instead of turning to him, provoked him uh, continually, sacrificing, making offerings on bricks, sitting in tombs, spending the night in secret. Pl- this is all an idea of idolatrous worship, eating pig's flesh, right? The the, the abominable animal there. The, 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 this is a rebellious people. And so judgment comes in verse six. It's written before me. I will not keep silent. I will repay. Indeed, I will repay into their lap both your iniquities and your father's iniquities together, says the Lord. Here comes the judgment. But... Again, there's grace and mercy to be found, and that's in verse 8 and 9. So I will do for my servants' sake and not destroy them all. I will bring forth offspring from Jacob and from Judah, possessors of my mountains. My chosen shall possess it. My servants shall dwell there. Grace and mercy. But then there's judgment again in verses 11 and 12. And so uh, 65 is kind of this, this rhythmical pulse and pattern of, uh, of grace and mercy promised and a future promised. And then the, the judgment that God is saying that he's going to bring because he has to bring judgment. Right. And I think what you're pointing out here, Pastor PJ, is the God's preserving his remnant, those who would serve him, who, right. who he calls the servants in verse eight and those who rebel. Yeah. It's this interesting uh, contrast and kind of this dance of conflicts here. He continues on to the rest of the chapter in in verses 13 through 16, um, how God deals with his servants again in verse 13, behold, my servants, they're going to eat 
Um, but you, the rebels, you guys are going to be hungry. Yeah. So it's interesting even how he contrasts the audiences. And one, he's talking to the servants. And another, he's talking to the rebels. Here in verses 13 through 16, he's talking to both. And then he enters into this whole idea about the new heavens and the new earth. What's that about? Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because I was even thinking in the setup here as it's casting forward when Paul says that in Romans that all true Israel will be saved because not all Israel is true Israel. That's right. And I think we're getting that a little bit in 13 through 16 there. Helpful insight. And then when we get into the new heavens and the new earth, this is the, the future that's coming. Revelation 21 is really describing the same scene that we see here at the beginning of uh, 65 verse 17. I create the new heavens and the new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. Uh, Jerusalem is going to be a joy and her people to be a, a gladness. Um, but then uh, this is the new heavens and the new earth, but it's, it's a weird mashup of that and the millennial kingdom here because you notice there in verse 20 no more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days for the young man shall die a hundred years old that's how we know that this is the millennial kingdom mixed in because in the new heavens and new earth the eternal state there's no more death yeah and so here you're going to have a young man dying you know being a hundred years old and somebody's going to be is able to say man he died too too soon at a hundred well that's a sign of the millennial kingdom because there's the 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 presence of of christ reigning on earth man so much of the effects of the curse are going to be undone reversed at that but not all of it death is the last enemy to be swallowed up and that's not going to come until the 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 final end. the final victory is won and we enter into the eternal state and something we should look forward to i mean we we look at these words on the page and they can often just be this theoretical like oh yeah that's interesting yeah Uh, but this is real this is this is the future yeah i mean we talk about prophecy being something where god will god foretells something to be true but this is foretelling the future this is literal history to be enjoyed and to be experienced yeah yeah well, chapter 66, heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? This uh, sounds similar, right, to what uh, Nathan or uh, yeah, Nathan told David when David said, I want to build a house for you, God. I want to build a temple. And, and God said, you're not going to build me a temple. I'm going to build you a temple. And even Solomon said, I, I acknowledge and understand that the house that, that we have built is is not able to continue. And so this is God echoing those statements saying, I'm I'm transcendent is the word that we'll often talk about here. It means that he's incontainable. He is, he transcends every conceivable limitation that we would otherwise put on him because he is God. Is he indescribable? Does he put the stars in the sky and does and he, he know them, them by, by name? name? He sees the depths of my heart even. And he loves you the same. And he loves me the same. Wow. He's this amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> nerds uh yep go listen to indescribable by chris tomlin if you're out there going i don't i don't know yeah right they're like what is he talking about yeah but notice verse three it's it, here you have people that are bringing their offerings that are bringing their sacrifices and yet these sacrifices are profaned because of their heart um because they're wickedness that'll preach yeah these are, are people that are coming to worship and yet god is despising what they're doing in fact it, it, he says it's like bringing your your dog for an offering and again dogs were despised creatures at, at this stage in, in history this is not fido this is like a coyote or a, a mangy rabbit dog running through the streets he who presents a grain offering like one who offers pig's blood no one would ever consider doing that it's abomination and yet God's saying the heart behind these things being offered is is equivalent to this Antiochus Epiphanes would think about that one but not these guys Antiochus would yeah who offered a pig on the altar yeah um, 
the, the rest of chapter 66, then as the Lord continues, the, it does end on the high note with looking forward to the, the day of joy for Jerusalem. Uh, verse 10, rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all who love her. I will extend peace to her like a river, verse 12, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. So I will comfort you and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Let your mind go back to Isaiah chapter 40, where he says, comfort, comfort my people. And here the book is ending with this picture to, that God is saying, I will comfort you. You, you shall be comforted, Jerusalem. Um, and then there's the the scene of the final judgment. For behold, the Lord will come and fire his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger in fury and rebuke with flames of fire. So there it is, church. Where do you want to be? Do you want to be in the rivers of peace with Jerusalem? Do you want to be in the, the place of joy and the, the place of, of gladness? Or do you want to be on the side of the chariots that are coming like fire, like the whirlwind to render the anger of the Lord in fury? That's the, the, the choice between the world. Um, you know, I mean, we, we talked about it in church on Sunday. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Look, this week we're going to talk about this idea that that, that no one is neutral towards Jesus. Everyone responds to Jesus one way or the other. And the results of that response are depicted right here in the end of Isaiah. You either have a future in glory with him in the new heavens and the new earth, or you have a future in eternal judgment under the wrath of his fury um, in hell. And, uh, and that's the decision to be made. Yeah. Interesting that, uh, that Isaiah would end verse 24. Just, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I, I was, I've read Isaiah before, but I, I just kind of hope like, is he going to end on a high note, the, the restoration, the glory, and yet he doesn't. He ends with something so terrifying and they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me for their worm shall not die. Their fire shall not be quenched mm. and they shall be an abhorrence to mm. all flesh. That's the end. Yep. God exercises divine judgment and it's right and it's good and it's terrifying. Yes. Yes. That's the end of Isaiah. Let's flip over in our Bibles or scroll or, uh, Skip the tracks all the way if you listen audibly on the Bible to Second uh, Thessalonians, chapter one. Second Thessalonians it comes after First Thessalonians. Oh, Pastor Rod, thank you. Yeah, and in case you didn't know how to remember that, like Isaiah and Jeremiah, one comes before two in like our mm. normal counting system. Also, one comes before two in the Bible. Okay, so is that always the kit one before two? Yeah, other times so when it's not that no, way? No, it's not. It's always that way. Interesting. So it's never Second Corinthians before Dude, first. I or never fail to learn something in this podcast. Yeah, hey, you know what? They're welcome. Thank you. They're welcome. <laughs> also, random thought that just came to mind. We call our letter system the alphabet. What do we call our number system? The number bet. We don't. We don't. There's. It doesn't get the like a, a cool name. I call it that. Yeah. Anyways, hey, so here Paul is writing again uh, the letter to the church in Thessalonica, and it's possible this was written within months of his first letter that he wrote to the church there. Remember, this is a church that Paul loves dearly, and we see evidence of that in the first letter. But here we find that the church is facing some uh, persecution and suffering as well as the threat of false teaching that's leading to some discord and, and even some disobedience within the church. And so Paul's writing this letter with a, a tone of a little bit more admonishment to the, the people there, though there still is evidence of his affection for the church here. But he's writing uh, almost urgently, and we can tell that by the brevity even of this letter. It's only three chapters long to correct some issues regarding the concept of uh, specifically the, the end times that we'll talk about more tomorrow in tomorrow's episode, but the, the antichrist and the day of the Lord and all of these things, he's trying to clear more up on this because there's some false teaching that's causing a ruckus there a ruckus. in the church in Thessalonica. 
But in chapter one, he opens with a statement that I, I, again, we've said this how many times we pray is true of our church. That is that our faith, verse three, would be growing abundantly Mm. and the love of every one of you for one another would be increasing. I, I pray that that's true into perpetuity for Compass Bible Church. We, we, we've been talking about it. We were talking about it this morning, or I guess yesterday morning in our, our staff meeting about the concept of um, just our need to be a welcoming and warm church right? and uh, and looking for people that are visitors. It, it's What's awesome is we love seeing these relationships formed amongst y'all out there and yeah. you love being around each other on Sunday mornings and that's so good and we, we praise God for that. We want that that type of church, a church that truly loves each other and loves being around each other. Mm-hmm. But we can't lose this idea that, man, we got to look for the the outsider. We got to look for the visitor. We got to look for the person on the sidelines and think, I'm going to go talk to that person because they're by themselves or they're off over there and we need to draw them in and, and make them part of this idea of this family that we so love. We should want others to come and be a part of it as well. And it makes perfect sense too. The lo- love for one another is increasing. It yeah. expands. Yeah. It, it, love in its purest form does not contract. It includes, it expands, it grows further and further. And that's what I, man, definitely would love to have Compass North Texas display that as a, as a means of glorifying God. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, then in verses five through the end of the chapter here, he turns the attention to this comfort. Um, but, uh, uh, this idea of, of, of comforting uh, the, the church there who are under this affliction or under this suffering. Um, in verse seven, he says that God is going to grant relief to you who are as afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven. So he's setting up what he's going to begin talking about later in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Now, we just talked about this at the end of Isaiah. And again, this is what's coming for those that don't know the Lord. So there's a comfort element here for the church there in Thessalonica in the sense that okay, you know what? You're suffering and you're being persecuted. Know that God is going to take care of this in the future. Right. But as we read this here today, and maybe we're not in the same situation, uh, there's the comforting fact about that, but there should also be the zealous uh, and, or the, the zeal inducing uh, motivation here for us to go and reach people with, with the gospel, because that's what's facing them. Otherwise is this eternal destruction is what he says there. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. So this is a sobering chapter. It's a sobering book in so many different ways here. Uh, But Paul is writing to this church, wanting to commend them and also comfort them in this opening chapter before he gets into more of what's actually going on there, where some people are trying to imply that maybe Christ has already come back. Right. And one, one of the themes that Paul hits on a few times, you probably even noticed it already, is the idea of, of affliction. In, in verse four, he says, look, we boast ourselves, we ourselves boast about you, that is, in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Mm. Now, you might remember a couple of chapters ago in First Thessalonians chapter three, uh, he prays for this. He prays he's in verse uh, chapter three, verse three. He says, I don't want anyone to be moved by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. And then Paul says, look, we were telling you about this. And then here in this next letter, he rejoices that God is doing that to them. He, mm-hmm. they're, they're standing fast in the afflictions. And even in this next uh, pericope, the, the, the paragraph right below this one, now you have more information about the afflictions. Notice in verse seven, when Pastor PJ just read this a second ago, notice when there will be relief for them. He says he will grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven and with his mighty angels. So that is to say that Christians should not expect any permanent reprieve from affliction, especially that which is connected to persecution apart from Jesus arrival. That's when all things are going to be set straight. That's when everything is made right until then. 
we should expect afflictions. And Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians is probably similar for us, that we remain steadfast and faithful while under trial. So persecution from the outsiders is one thing. What about what about suffering just as an individual? What about those people out there that are like, man, I, I, I may not be Job, but I'm a pretty close fa- facsimile of Job. And I, I don't interrupt. Yeah. Yeah. My life has been marked by this for a long, 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 long time. Does this passage have anything to say to us about, about that concept? If we're supposed to wait for our, our vindication, as far as the, the vengeance against the enemies who are persecuting us, is there a similar thought that maybe we need to wait as well on God's relief from all suffering? Now we, we probably, we, we didn't exhaust it when we went through Job together and yeah. when we went through the Psalms, but there's just so much to say about that because that's the experience of every Christian under heaven. Right. I think verses 11 and 12 really start to speak to that concept of the future, the final. Uh, to this end, we always pray for you, Paul says, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you mm-hmm. and you in him according mm-hmm. to the grace of our God and, the, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. The idea here for us is even, even though it doesn't directly speak to our suffering, we have to recognize that the purpose that we are suffering is that we might do good for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And even if we run with a limp, we still run. And, and even if we pray with a, with a faltering voice, we still pray. Mm-hmm. And, and there's so many aspects to this that God intends to utilize for his glory and for our good. And that is a guarantee that we can take to the bank. Every time I suffer, it's not for nothing. Every time I struggle, it's not for nothing. There's always a noble, righteous, and great purpose that God has every time we suffer. And if we can believe that, now we can get through it. it won't be easy, but we can get through it. Yeah. And the perspective will gain in eternity will be such a comfort to us. And I wonder too, bro. I mean, I think about that. I, to your point, you made this point several podcasts ago that when we go to heaven, we you don't suddenly things go back at me now. You're going to call me to, to no. stand by what I said. In a few <laughs> podcasts ago? No, I'm just, I'm elaborating on what you said. You said something to the effect of when you go to heaven, you don't suddenly know everything. Like there's a, there's a sense right. in which we learn, right? Right. That will be for the rest of eternity. We can never exhaust the infinite knowing of God. So we're always going to learn. I wonder if part of our time spent with God is going to be trying to trace out, oh, you did this thing with this person. I can't believe that. Right. My struggle here affected that person over there. Right. And we could do that for who knows how long. Six degrees of separation, but heaven edition. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Kevin Bacon, yeah. Jesus Christ, I suppose. But yeah, that, that's the idea. I wonder if that will be part of our story in heaven with Christ where we're trying to figure out, oh, that's how we bless that person. Oh, my suffering here that that other person was encouraged by the way that I said this and that. And, right. and we will praise him far more there than we ever have here. And that'll be in part because we have time, but also because we'll be able to see, oh yeah, I see what he did there. Right. And, and we, we experience that here. Like when you think about live events in your life that you look back on and you can see now it's one, you know, looking backwards is you have 2020 vision. What is the, what is the statement that retrospect is 2020? Yeah. We can appreciate that here on earth. How much more so there for us to ponder as as you're talking about there, those things. That's awesome. Well, Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the daily Bible podcast. Yes. And uh, we will catch you Lord willing again tomorrow for another episode of the daily Bible podcast. Unless Jesus comes back or pastor Rod has too many many Twinkies. Twinkie coma. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.